0: wait did, did you hear, hear her which by the way never read it frankenstein yeah i read
1: it good Hmm. Yeah. it's good it's good pioneered the genre hashtag feminism
0: <sighs> well i mean that brings us to the topic of monsters What's my feminism face it. that's your feminism face Hmm. I, like mm-hmm. I like that <laughs> someone just walked
1: by my office i like that flavor
0: thank you well, everybody, um, my name's Augusta. My name's Eva. And this is episode two of the Phenomena podcast. And this week we're talking about... Scoobert Doober! You know, one of the more important cultural ghost haunting stories of the past hundred years, I would say, which is, yeah, Scoobert Doober. Scooby-Doo. The... I would call it a franchise at this point.
1: Yeah, I think it is. What did Wikipedia call it? Wikipedia says that it's a... Yeah, an American animated franchise comprising many animated television series produced from 1969 to the present, as well as their derivative media.
0: Hmm. So derivative. Extremely derivative, Scooby-Doo.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: I mean, a lot of things are, though. The basic... The basic... The basic plot of a Scooby-Doo episode, if you've never seen the original, I think we're going to be focusing mostly on the original, though there are many spinoffs, but the 1969 version, which was an animated Hanna-Barbera cartoon, you've got the five members of the Mystery Incorporated, Mm -hmm. and they are
1: Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, Scooby.
0: And Scooby, of course, is a dog.
1: Yes. Or as I refer to him, the dog from (laughs) (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Which I have done on multiple occasions to much ridicule from friends and family. I mean, it's a very funny thing to say, to be fair. (laughs) It's like honestly an accident. Like, I forgot. And I was like, the dog from Scooby Doo. And they were like, Scooby Doo? And I was like,
0: No, you're both just staring at each other. File not found. (laughs) Like, (laughs) 404. Yeah, and the Um, dog from Scooby Doo, who can kind of talk, but not entirely. Right. Bare, very basic communication skills. He has like
1: a really bad speech impediment. Right. No yeah he can he can somewhat communicate though in this episode he spoke Chinese Was it Chinese? He interacted with the owners of a Chinese laundry in order to borrow their steam machine to create a smoke screen so they, he could escape from some ghosts and he seems to be effectively communicating with them hmm. in Chinese. Well, maybe that's been the problem the
0: whole time Is that Scooby Doo speaks Chinese? Yeah, that he's like, he's like, he's fluent in many dialects, but just not English. Yeah. Well, also in this episode, it was revealed
1: that Velma reads Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is great she was like i read chinese and i don't recognize any of these letters and then they just hold up the clue in a mirror it's just backwards english writing
0: oh my god they were like these characters <laughs>
1: Unbelievable. The, By the way, one of the words was the which is the same forwards and backwards so i don't know how you wouldn't figure that out <laughs>
0: just... um well that's another element of every scooby-doo episode is that there are I think there are two major problem-solving plot devices in Scooby-Doo. One is clues, and one is traps. Those are like the two ways that they get monsters, I feel like. Yes. They have a clue that reveals the identity, or they have a trap. Usually both. There's one clue that lets them think, oh, who is this? Oh, it's someone related to the abandoned mine, or to the quarry, yeah. or to the swamp, or whatever, the boat. And then there's the trap where they catch them, and then they reveal who the monster is. There's also... also Obviously, a monster, which is always a person in disguise, except in a couple of the movies, notably the one with the hex girls in it, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, which there's actually magic in that one, which I found deeply disturbing as a child.
1: Okay, so I do want to talk about the evolution of Scooby-Doo over time and when they go from debunking to actually verifying the existence of magic and the supernatural. Absolutely. Because I think it shows a lot about sort of the path of American Imagination over time. Completely agreed.
0: uh, Because in the first show, which was... Excuse me, where are you? you? Mm -hmm. It's only crooked people trying to generally obtain land rights or rights like yes,
1: <laughs> 99% land and gem ownership related. <laughs> right. It's like Gotta almost get that one gem. I just watched uh, Nowhere to Hide, which is one of my favorite episodes, Hide HYDE because the villain in it is the great-grandson of the, the real Dr. Jekyll and he thinks that he's being haunted by Hyde's ghost. Spoiler He's dressing up as Hyde's ghost and using suction cups to climb up the sides of buildings to steal one single amulet at a time from various museums. So good. Yeah, it's
0: so good. Yeah, so it's good. So good. Well, yeah, okay. Another thing that I love about Scooby Doo and the monsters is one, it's like, I think this is the base. Honestly, I think this is the base imaginary conceit to the show that makes it so fun to watch you have to suspend your disbelief entirely because you have to imagine that there are people out there who think the best way to commit a crime is to pretend to be a ghost
1: and there's so many of them and they're so fucking stupid and everyone around them is so stupid that they would have gotten away with it if not for you meddling kids which actually isn't part of the original series i don't think i think that uh I think that catchphrase doesn't come in until the C- ABC years or later. That makes sense. It's at least not in the first run. Right. It might be in the, in the, the later series. Z- z- well,
0: seasons. I mean, that's part of what's interesting about it, I think, is the way that it is sort of meant to parody 60s counterculture. Yeah. There is this weird... The suspension of disbelief is different with different characters. So, yes. like... Within Mystery Incorporated, Mystery Inc., none of them believe the ghosts are real. But everywhere they go, everybody else seems to. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is so opposite of the plots of most things now. Like, such, like my favorite movie currently, Vampires vs. the Bronx, in which adults are skeptics and kids know the truth. That, right. You know what I mean? Like, and, and a lot of ghost stories now, where it's like you're surrounded by skeptics, but you've been, a, like finally made aware that there really is a ghost and now how do you deal with that um in a context of skeptics
0: yeah it's also weird because shaggy and scooby are the only members of mystery and whoever believe that ghosts are or i mean monsters too it's not just ghosts are real mm-hmm. and they're constantly being reassured by everyone else that ghosts aren't real and there's this every episode there is like they have a a plot that it's like about their doubt they have they're like emotional yeah. heart is like yes jinky you're a zoinks i'm not going where this haunted and then they go yeah. in and they're like whoa there's a ghost and they're almost like ghosts aren't real and they're like yeah. Yeah, there's a ghost right there then at the end they pull the mask off and it's like guess it wasn't real after all every single episode mm-hmm. every single episode and they're the only members and they're like kind of these incompetent but lovable cooks yeah. but it's like you say it's the opposite and To your point about the evolution of the show, now in the new Scooby-Doo, ghosts and monsters are real. Magic is real. Like, that has been introduced over time. Like, when it was a parody of 60s counterculture and the dumb believable, like, highly believed, like, belief, whatever. What's the word? Woo-woo? Gullible? Woo-woo is also good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think gullible gullible. is, or like, uh, I don't know, spiritually indulgent
0: 60s just like people in the world and then there were like these kids who are kind of squares who but are also were kind of hip and they're the only ones who can really disprove it as you yeah. said now it's the opposite which is ghosts are real and monsters are real and kids are investigating it like in um, yeah mystery incorporated the reboot from a couple years ago um i know you don't like it but if you don't I know, i'm just, just doing, a- it I'm, just doing a- bad show.
1: I'm just doing a goof yeah my sister really likes it and she's a big uh, a scooby-doo fan she watches it all the time I just don't love it that much. Um, well, another thing that's interesting about it in terms of like the cultural moment, which obviously I was, neither of my parents were even born. So uh, <laughs> maybe they were like one, but I mean, it's the same year that like Charles Manson and all his followers like killed a bunch of people. Like it happened in all sort of the same, um, this really weird moment of violence and non-violence. Mm-hmm. Because Woodcock. yeah, and the year before, almost every single Saturday morning cartoon had been canceled after the, there were like all these protests about violence on TV. So it was like, okay, we've canceled all the violent TV shows, literally almost every single one. And then it was this and another, like uh, the Hardy boys were the last two TV shows like on earth, basically. Um, And, uh, oh, what was I going to say about that? And I think, The ghost moment in that that matters is like the idea that they aren't violent first of all because none of the crimes are violent they're all like you said all about like scaring people to obtain land or chasing people for like a mask or a gem or a skull or like something like that and there's no violence in the cartoons really it's just sort of like farcical like door slamming and shoot falling and stuff like that and i think that the idea that it's about ghosts is part of what sells it as non-violent because m- mysteries and in like things like that are you know can be a very violent genre but then they were like no 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 it's ghosts ghosts aren't violent they're not real
0: Right. It's not. Yeah, I think exactly. And it's not just that it's ghosts and monsters. It's that it's people pretending to be ghosts and monsters. Yeah. It's like a double farce. It's like a mm-hmm. farce about a farce. Like. Also, what I love about that is that it's so it really get. I mean, it's interesting that you say that thing about the Hardy Boys, because like none of those it's part of Hanna-Barbera, right? like yes. Scooby-Doo is it's one of their trademark franchises. Yes, but absolutely. There are so many Hanna-Barbera cartoons and so few of them have any lasting power. Like none of them have yes. stayed. Like Josie and the Pussycats got like one or two reboots, but
1: Josie and the Pussycats is a big part of like gay counterculture because it's not a part of culture, if that makes right. sense. Not that you it don't does. know that, but that that's No, I agree.
0: Yeah. Um But, like, even that, I feel like that's their most successful other franchise. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: Scooby-Doo, maybe more than any of those shows, feels so specifically of its moment and of its time. It feels so late 60s. It feels so pseudo-groovy. It feels so born out of that. And yet it has this staying power.
1: Yeah. So I just took a quick look to double check. Yes, it aired opposite the Hardy Boys. The other one that came out of this moment that stayed is the Archie show. But that was already a comic also. Interesting. So that's kind of different too. Or my understanding is that Archie was comic before it was a television show. But Interesting. it could have been the other way around. Right. Um. Yeah. So the Hardy Boys, Scooby-Doo, and the Archie show, which I would say barely made it. I would say it's recently been, the corpse of the Archie show has recently been exhumed by Riverdale to highly mixed reviews.
0: Agreed, but I don't think anybody would go back and watch the old Ar- I mean, I've never seen an old Archie co- like cartoon.
1: It's bad. I just want to let you know.
0: And it's like it's weird because you watch old Scooby-Doo and they're also bad, like they're boring kind of. If you watch a bunch back to back, they have the same plot every time and yet yes. they're mesmerizing and so fun. Yes.
1: Yes. And I remember as a kid finding them totally mesmerizing and really following along with the clues and really being surprised at the end, even though every single time it was the only character you've already met. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It's like every time they're like, hi, Dr. Jekyll. And then they're like, I wonder if it's Dr. Jekyll. And then at the end, it's like, Dr. Jekyll. And you're like, yeah, there's no one else in this universe as of this moment.
0: Who could it be? I feel like part of the staying power is the fun of the clues and the mystery and the solving. I feel like part of it also is this weird folklore piece where they get to every time explore like a fake or like totally, totally sillyified local tradition. Yes. Like every time they get to attach it to a different thing. So it's not like it's not like it's all set in the same small town like an Archie might be. It's like in you know, in this one they're in a museum in England for no reason, which is what a night for a night, a great episode. Such that's a the good very episode. first episode i think yeah a haunted suit of armor fuck it
1: yeah what a night for a night is a really good episode my favorite episode was the one with the snow pun snow there's snow day like snow day or whatever the fuck oh but and I'm it's
0: really like an really abominable big. snowman
1: yes ma'am and they're like in nepal
0: yeah <laughs> i just right, exactly. google
1: scooby dam <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, abominable uh-oh another word i can't
0: pronounce abominable We'll talk yeah. about those two. Well, eventually we'll get to the Hex Girls for mm-hmm. all the bisexuals listening at home.
1: Mm-hmm. That's Snow Ghost is the one That's I'm thinking of. Snow Ghost. Season one, episode 17, 1969, and it
0: has an 8.1 rating on IMDb. Come on. I How know, like, what do you
1: need from power. it that it didn't have? Like, right. what are you looking for from this episode of Scooby-Doo? God, that snow ghost. I'm looking at the face right now. Oh, here's another. Well. Go ahead. I don't I don't know if anyone cares about this, but another thing that's so fun about it is that they always unmask that it was some sort of costume or, like, light trick or something where it's like he was actually hanging on wires and using yes. a light, da, 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 da. But that never explains why the ghost, quote unquote, mo- or monster character is like nine feet tall, doesn't speak in coherent words, and can throw a car across the fucking football field. It never
0: explains it. it <laughs> it's never like never explains it. Yeah, the behavior of the monster always boils down to. He was trying to scare them away so he could get the like rights, title, land, the oil underneath the swamp, whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it never explains why they just put on a costume and run around.
1: <laughs> no, it's true. It doesn't explain. Doesn't explain why that would be like a hobby, or like where they got it.
0: Right. Whew. I mean, like, I do get it because I also like to put on a costume and run around. I do understand. Right. But not in the same capacity.
1: Right. Also, like, it's it's a great moment, I think, to look at it versus the things that teens solve now. Like, um, as I mentioned earlier, in that like what doesn't make sense about the Scooby Doo one of the many things that doesn't make sense. And that's <laughs> the one okay. Thing. No hate that Scooby Doo, where are you? Doesn't make sense. One of my favorite shows of all time. Same why can the teenager solve it and no one else can right in scooby-doo where are you the only explanation is no one else cares
0: or no one's go ahead
1: oh just all it is is that they are taking some shortcut that fred fucking takes in his giant fuck van through (laughs) like the woods that always look the same To the house that always looks the same and then they need to stop for whatever. And then it's like, oh, you're out here in the middle of nowhere and nobody cares that you have a ghost problem. We'll solve it for you.
0: Totally. And it's that the reason the kids can solve it and not the caretaker slash mother of an infirm person slash old couple who's been living in the little house slash, you know, deranged scientist slash whatever it is, Mm -hmm. is because they're not afraid. Because they're skeptics. They don't believe ghosts exist.
1: Or, or it's them.
0: Or it's them.
1: <laughs> because they're one of two characters in the whole episode.
0: Yeah. Right. But like, everybody else has, the, the plot has worked on everyone else, is what yes. I think we're meant to assume. Right.
1: That's, okay, no, yeah, totally. But like, it's like it's they've working. scared everyone off, and yeah, and they would have gotten away with it.
0: But that's one thing that I think becomes, this is now to our larger theme of ghost economy and ghost tourism, which we'll get more into in another episode. But it's interesting in, as the show has further and further reboots, the farther along time goes, like into the 90s and early 2000s, like they can no longer get away with the idea that a ghost being in a small town would be anything other than amazing tourist dollars. And they have to try and deal with that
1: factually watching them try to deal with that over the course of the show is really interesting really sort of the internet
0: comes along and like in the newer scooby-doos like in the early 2000s reboot of like what's new scooby-doo and then in the later ones they try and incorporate that in i think different ways but i think the big way they do it is they try and explain that the monsters are created by technology like they'll be like oh like it was actually a, comp- a suit made of lucite and machine parts, and that's why it looked yes. like, you know, yes. the abominable snowman. Or one of my favorite of the Scooby-Doo films, Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase, which I did promise to talk about.
1: Ooh, yes, please. I haven't seen it, so bring it on.
0: Here's the plot of Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. The Mystery Gang rolls up to, I think Caltech, or it's supposed to be Caltech, a college with a internet and computer program. They meet a bunch of scientists working on internet and they discover that because they're featured in a video game, that's won like a big prize. The, the, the gang is because they're famous. Sometimes they deal with the fact that they're famous in the show. Sometimes they don't in this, they in this movie they choose to. Okay. Okay. So they're in a video game. They show up to the competition and they find out someone's sabotaging it because a computer virus has been created and has escaped from the game and is terrorizing people. And the computer virus is like electricity with a face and it runs around (laughs) napping people.
1: Okay, I have seen it. I just am now remembering it. Okay.
0: This is the first Scooby-Doo where... They do something in this one that I think is really clever and that they try and do many times, but this is the time that it works the most. Okay. Two things. One the monster is real but two someone is behind it a person Mm -hmm. so one of the computer scientists is trying to sabotage the competition so he created a computer virus that can break out of the game but also and so the the virus is a real monster but it's controlled by someone didn't create itself in the game Also, this is a very good example of if you die in the game, you die in real life, because most of the movie is spent there in a video game fighting through it, which I think is a large part of where my idea of what adult life would come from came from, (laughs) and it has not lived up so far.
1: (laughs) You're just not playing enough sword art online.
0: (laughs) Anyway, I think that's an example of where they succeed, bringing it into the 21st century and having it be technology is real, monsters are real, and people are real. But mm-hmm. there are also times when it fails kind of spectacularly.
1: Interesting. So another thing that's interesting about Scooby Doo and the Cyber Chase is that um, it was the last movie Hanna Barbera ever had any uh, creative control over before. Was it really? Yeah, because William Hanna died in two thousand one during the making of that movie, and then they just sold um Hanna or not even sold it was absorbed into warner brothers completely meaning it no longer even exists like they didn't even put it as a tagline on anything else after that movie
0: it was just wow
1: yeah totally absorbed
0: i didn't realize that
1: mm-hmm. also fun fact that i'm now learning from the wikipedia frank welker was the only original voice cast member in that one
0: yeah he's fred mm-hmm yeah. Because
1: the girls change all the time. There's like right. 17 different like nameless Italian-American uh, <sighs> voice actresses that play the girls. I don't know why they're always different. They just are. And they have names like Stefani Niania. Like <laughs> that is literally, and I am not joking, Stefani Niania is the name of one of the actresses that plays Velma for a while. And... uh Shaggy, uh, sorry, not Shaggy, Scooby died in the, uh, in the late 90s. Don Messick died. Um, and a thing I did know is that Casey Kasem, who was the original sh- uh, Shaggy voice, who is in Scooby and Shaggy Get a Clue playing Shaggy's own uncle, um, he left his contract after being forced to do a voiceover for a Burger King commercial and he's like an avid animal rights activist.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so really a contract.
1: amazing. He was like, I can't do it anymore.
0: Good so for he him. also
1: left. I know. Isn't that cute? And like yeah, that was in that. like the 90s also.
0: Well, fuck him. So.
1: Yeah. Right. I just <sighs> think he has a great name. He's hilarious looking also. And his voices are great. Um, he's great in as the original Shaggy and he's great as uh, Shaggy's uncle.
0: In the Can you do a Shaggy voice?
1: I can try the only shaggy line that I do privately to myself is not even a real shaggy line it's from a Futurama episode that parodies um parodies Scooby-Doo and Fry is shaggy obviously and he's like like are we 13 or 33 (laughs) it's like one of my favorite things I've ever heard
0: weirdly that raises a great question (laughs) yeah yeah which is the age of the kids
1: Yeah, are they thirteen or thirty-three? Well, fourteen or forty-three. I can't remember what the line is, but
0: in the first show, they're clearly supposed to be high schoolers. But high schoolers was such a different level of maturity, like imagined to be in the '60s, and now
1: they could like legally drink and drive,
0: right? And I mean, they're always partying. They're always like on the beach, you know, dancing to groovy tunes or whatever. That's what they're always going to do when they run into monsters.
1: In Nowhere to Hide, again, really good episode. And again, I literally watched it this morning while I was um in Nowhere to Hide. They're at a malt shop after going yes. to the magic show at the yes. high school. Exactly. When Dr. Hyde's ghost climbs into the back of their van.
0: Their their constant hunger is not really related to ghosts, but is a funny people are it's like one of the things. Stoners.
1: It's one of the things that I loved about them from day one because I also if I was shared skitless.
0: <laughs> you said it. Gee, friend, you <laughs> if, first said a mouthful.
1: If I was shared skitless, I would also be at the haunted fair just like eating a burger as big as my whole body. Like, I'm not not going to have free food. Yeah, I love Shaggy and Scooby.
0: I love them. And I love how much the ghosts offer them food. The playfulness of the ghosts is part of what makes the show really good.
1: Yes, and also, sorry, my eye was just caught by something on Wikipedia. Go. Oh. So that stupid Scooby-Doo joke from Futurama. Billy West is one of the voices of Shaggy, I now see. And Billy That's West amazing. is almost all the male voices for Futurama. He's one of the That's creators. amazing. And he is truly one of the most talented people of all time. Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost um, has Tim Curry and Billy West in it. Have you That's seen awesome. That's the Witch's one of- Ghost? That's that's the Hex Girls. Uh, it's the one where the the cats do voodoo in Louisiana. Yeah,
0: that one. Oh, Louisiana. I thought that one was set in in Buckle Hat Country. In what? In Buckle Hat Country. I thought that was a Puritanical one.
1: No, it's Louisiana, because
0: it's one, all Louisiana? like voodoo
1: and fake. There is a Cartoon Network Scooby Doo spoof of the Blair Witch Project called the Scooby Doo Project.
0: I have not seen that. I mean, I've seen the. Gifts online but that was uh that's much discussed in the internet these days
1: but yeah Scooby-Doo and the witch's ghost that's another where the ghost is real and voodoo actually works during that That they like discover the person who's doing the voodoo and she's like the great-granddaughter of an actual (laughs) to find out that the event is being haunted by the author's dead ancestor Sarah who was an actual witch
0: screaming great-grandmother Rachel
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally
0: (laughs) that's right about the time when it flips
1: yes totally
0: that's exactly like i mean i feel like that's very much in line with what we talked about last week with the haunted dolls where like there was a time when that would have been something that you wanted to keep out of your home at all costs but now there's this weird relationship to the supernatural where it's okay to invite that in and to court that
1: yes but the theatrical release ones are when they like really really were like nope here are some real monsters really Mm -hmm. existing and here is actual video footage of us switching souls through our mouths and I watched that on a plane and I never psychologically recovered (laughs) to this day that's probably why I wrote my thesis about ghosts is the just pants wedding terror of that fucking movie
0: it's really scary monsters unleashed well, okay. A couple of things interesting about that one. One, mm-hmm. I think that one plays with a couple of Scoob... It's actually very... It's like a kind of oddly a very meta movie about Scooby-Doo in a lot of ways. They acknowledged three things in that movie that I don't think they acknowledge anywhere else in terms of the plot and in terms of the themes. One, the, the underlying chaotic thing happening in that movie is college students are coming to this island to party. Yep. And they're becoming like domesticated or like they're becoming like docile, like something weird is happening to them. They're not fun. They're square. Like their desire to party has left them. <laughs> their souls have been stolen. That's what it means for your soul to be stolen. Which I feel like is a very funny commentary about this idea of these 60s teenagers who want to like party and not see ghosts. Yeah. Two they decide that magic is real. Like you can steal a soul from a body. That's totally fine or it does happen. So there's the two big things they acknowledge. But three the biggest thing that they acknowledge is that Scrappy Doo is the worst fucking character ever to be put on television and deserves to be punished.
1: I'm going to push back on that a little bit Go because Scrappy Doo sucked already. Scrappy yeah. fucking doo. I actually like Scrappy Doo, not going to lie. <laughs>
0: You're kidding. I find him unbearable.
1: I. Yeah, no, I really like Scrappy Doo. <laughs> he's so fucking annoying he's if i remember correctly he's somehow scooby's uncle even though he's like this big
0: he's his nephew
1: yeah i fucking love Scrappy dude what an a- annoying character
0: well, that's his and the scooby-doo film i
1: forget what the fuck i was saying but anyway they're both so scary and i'm so scared of both of them and the box office for the first one was $275 million, and for the second it was only $181 million, and so they scrapped plans for a third live-action film. Mm,
0: that was valid. They were really making those unnecessarily scary. Totally. I mean, I feel like it takes away from what the underlying fantasy of the Scooby-Doo movies, of the Scooby-Doo show is, mm-hmm. which is... Superstition doesn't rule your life. Totally. Totally. The other thing about Scooby-Doo, and this is just a larger thought about media and their regional ghosts that they explore, is I think that's the very beginning of the way that television has flattened the idea of superstition into a simultaneously, into like a universal and untrue thing.
1: Right. Like it's fearful and, and it's stupid.
0: It's fearful and it's stupid and every place has it and all those people are equally dumb and all those traditions are fake. Like, you can go to the Okefenokee Swamp, or you can go to Tibet, or you can go to Canada, or you can go to, you know, Florida, and all those places, San Francisco, whatever. All those places, the ghosts are going to be equally fake, Mm -hmm. and people are going to equally believe in them. And I feel like that flattening effect, like, now we don't even question that. Totally. It's weird because it reminds me of our conversation last week about exorcisms in relation to haunted dolls. Mm Mm-hmm. The haunted doll narrative is that there's always a spiritual guide who comes in and exercises the soul from the body which is sort of the inverse in terms of moral of scooby-doo mm-hmm. where you come in and you instead of unmask the demon you unmask the person like you remove the spiritual aspect from the crime and you prove that there was none to begin with mm.
1: like how you pointed out last week when we talked about like Americans see ghosts from a Christian perspective without realizing they see ghosts from a Christian perspective or without necessarily realizing that they see it from a Christian perspective. Um, Like, it's like the idea that you're seeing everything equally from a removed standpoint when in reality you're totally within it.
0: Right, that you're secular. And these backwards people don't understand that actually they're being tricked. Yes. Also, the idea that people abuse the concept of spiritual or like abuse not spirituality um like superstition for money
1: yes yes which again like is sort of a newer i mean not that it never happened before but it's continually developing and getting more uh severe and significant and is certainly wasn't as prevalent in 1969 when the show originally aired Cause like you said, there's not really any Scooby-Doo episodes where it's like, I'm on purpose pretending to be Bigfoot so people will come to my Bigfoot ranch. It's like I'm pretending to be Bigfoot so no one will go near my Bigfoot ranch.
0: Right. Like I'm. I remember there's one episode where someone it's the something something the Gator Ghoul, where somebody dresses up in an alligator costume, puts flashlights in their eyes, and haunts the Okie-Fineokie Swamp. This is the episode set in Georgia where they meet Scooby-Doo's extremely country cousins could be dumb um and when they unmasked that guy the point was he was patrolling the swamp at night to try and find i think oil there's some kind of oil tie-in there's some kind of oil tie-in, treasure or something like he's the point is he's patrolling the swamp at night and he doesn't want people to bother him. And so instead of just driving around the swamp at night, he has to put on an alligator costume with yep. flashlight beams in his eyes so that he can look convincingly without it being clear that he, a human is looking to get rich. It's instead, it's like
1: totally oh, yeah. it's a
0: supernatural haunting. And they have that's to uh, the and same around.
1: as the ghost of Captain Cutler. I think
0: Captain Cutler that's a great yeah. episode bro that's a great it's episode one of
1: the best episodes when did scooby snacks start i guess that has nothing to do with what we're talking about oh, we I haven't just, even
0: like, talked about that um yeah the racial caricaturing of scooby-doo probably deserves its own episode by people who are not me but right. it's unbelievable
1: <laughs> unbelievable it's
0: unbelievable borderline
1: unwatchable. I mean, yeah. I had to stop watching the one that I was just watching. The voices unwatchable.
0: It's weird because some of the episodes whenever they try and dabble in that, it's just so painful. There's an episode that's set in like a like a pueblo village.
1: Yes, I know which one that I is. I actually a little bit
0: too thing. scared to go back and check on that one. It's weird though because like our like we were saying like it all operates it's all flat what'd you say
1: decoy for a dog napper
0: oh my the fifth god episode
1: of the first season of scooby-doo where are you the gang investigate the disappearance of a prized poodle by using scooby as a decoy to unveil the thief and it is set in a pueblo and i am looking at the images and it is brutal
0: there's a dog napper one that's not that one no, there's a counterfeiting one where the guy, the the villain, is a puppeteer, and the ghosts are puppets. Do you remember this?
1: The backstage rage, the puppet master was the disguise of Pietro creating mem- mayhem at the Strand Theater.
0: Exactly. But really counterfeiting money. But that's the thing. It's always that. It's like they have the most unbearably outlandish, completely unjustifiable amount of effort to for do something that historical. could just be hidden.
1: Right. Like, just be quieter about it.
0: <laughs> right. Just counterfeit. Just yeah. don't call attention to the place you're counterfeiting. It really set the template for so much in the culture.
1: Factual.
0: Do you want to close out by deciding which scooby-doo characters we would be
1: i feel like shaggy he became canonically vegetarian once casey Kasem refused to return to the show unless they would make shaggy a vegetarian i love so that. i am kind of a fan of that and that he's like a dog person and like a hungry stoner coward so in general i consider myself to be kind of a shaggy but it depends the group i'm in
0: mm. between the two of us who do you think we are
1: Well, sometimes I think we're Daphne and Fred, and sometimes I think we're Shaggy and Scooby. Exactly. While recording, I think you're Scooby and I'm Shaggy, because Scooby weirdly is more functional than Shaggy. I almost said scabby. (laughs) Like, Scooby, like, speaks Chinese and, like, can use jeweler's tools. (laughs) And then Shaggy (laughs) is like, like, yikes! (laughs) So funny. Yeah, I'm a fan. I don't know. What do you think? What's but then the sometimes
0: we're Fred and Daphne because you have perfect makeup and are beautiful and I'm walking around real tall and blonde just like, hey, ladies.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's, that's when we're Fred and Daphne. When you're I like, mean, the magic show was great. I found a clue.
0: But then the truth that we're avoiding is that every girl who goes to Barnard is really a Velma.
1: Oh, well, the thing... I hate Velma. <laughs>
0: well, I'm just saying, maybe you need to resolve that internal conflict.
1: Oh, that's funny. Um, the, Another quick cultural thing before we leave, I don't know if this will go in the episode, but um, growing up in the five college area, it was always said that the Scooby-Doo characters were based off of the personalities of the five colleges, which is A, so profoundly factually untrue, and B, scientifically and historically impossible because Hampshire College wasn't founded until like, 1975 or 1971 i think was maybe their first year i can't remember but um yeah so if you want to know fred is amherst daphne is mount holyoke velma is smith uh shaggy is hampshire and scooby-doo is umass
0: scooby-doo is umass that's so i was like which one is scooby
1: animals wow
0: wow